are now listening to, to, to the Current Affair Podcast with your host, Dr. D'Angelo Taylor. This is the Current Affair Podcast with Dr. D'Angelo Taylor. Today, our guest hails from Evansville, Indiana. He is a city councilman by the name of Alex Burton. He also works for the Evansville Vandenberg School Corporation. Let's give Alex a round of applause. Alex, welcome to the Current Affair Podcast. How are you doing today? What's going on? Thank you so much, Dr. Taylor, for having me. Hey, are you staying safe, brother? Absolutely. Okay, what are you doing? my mask and everything. Okay, what are you what are you doing to stay fit in these times, brothers? You know, you know, it, it gets a little different when you're not around moving. How are you staying fit? Hey, I'm I'm doing I'm doing my bit while by walking. I ain't, I ain't doing too much outside of that. Oh man. COVID-19 has thrown a wrench into our society like no other. Uh, this pandemic has shocked not only the United States, uh, with us having the highest death total, but the entire world. Uh but you're in education. So just like myself, I'm in higher education, you're in K through 12. Tell the viewers, uh, the listeners and the viewers what you do. Uh, so so I work with uh, high school seniors, uh, specific, well, high school students uh, with a focus on high school seniors, uh, making sure that every high school senior graduates employed, enlisted or enrolled uh, with a focus on being uh, employed or enlisted. Um, not to say that, um, College isn't for everyone or, or anything like that, but it's more so right. if, if we know that uh, some students don't really like school, there's no need for us to push them to school, especially when uh, so many, so much industry around here, Southwest Indiana, um, is hiring, they're willing to pay for education, um, and they're not starting off paying pennies on the dollar. Um, starting out right now, uh, it's a little bit tricky right now with COVID-19, but prior to COVID-19, it would not be difficult to place a high school senior making at least $15 an hour, uh, getting their college pay, paid for, and making sure that they uh, have a retire, retirement plan set up. Um, and so so that's one aspect of what I do. And then at the other end, I'm um, uh, just doing creative programming with um, different industry partners here in the city. Okay. So what advice would you give some of those students? You know, you talked about how things were different before uh, COVID-19. What is some advice that you would give some of your high school students or even some of the college students that, uh, that you may know or students who are going into the trades? Uh, for everybody right now, it's stay patient. Uh, I get that prior to this happening, it was all about, I'm going to get this, I'm going to have my plan, I know my next steps. Well, right now, everybody's kind of in a holding pattern to see how this thing pans out. Uh, there's no need to panic, no need to rush. Just kind of let let this process uh, take its take its course. And um, at this point in time, it's all about planning, having that preparation, uh, and making sure you have um, almost a contingency plan uh, of what you want to do. If you're looking to go into the trades, uh, though you thought you were going to go into one avenue, make sure you might need to look at you know a couple other trades. Or if you're you know if you planned on going to college but didn't you know, do some things on your end, uh, work on that right now, see what you need to do, make those calls and those emails uh, and really get focused. I mean, this, um, you know, though it's more in the middle of a pandemic, it's also the time that can be looked at as, you know, being a great equalizer, everybody's stuff. So what you're going to do to set yourself right. apart uh, from, from what everybody else is doing. So if your grades wasn't the highest, uh, you know, in high school or where they at right now, Make it up right now. This is your opportunity to change your game and, and really do your 
do your thing, your life, your outcome. This is it right here. What are you going to do? Focus is all on what you got to do. That's it. So, so what do you say to some of your students that you see who may not be taking uh, COVID-19 uh, or, or this virus seriously? Uh, I think it's hit everybody now. You know, when yeah. it first started, it was like, oh, this ain't, this ain't for real. Like, we just getting out of school. I'm like, nah, we're not just getting out of school. Right. Uh, then for those who didn't take school serious, I guarantee everyone now is like, oh, I wish I would have did a couple things differently and put me in a better situation. Uh, right. I mentioned the work-based learning program. Uh, we have some kids working at a at a, at a, a plant, uh, Ameriqual, uh, through through a program called Ramp, and right. you know, students were you know before they left before this break before we had to shut the program down they were making nine dollars an hour and working twenty dollars a week or making right. their students working twenty hours a week. Now in the midst of this pandemic, the students who are willing and are caught up on their work are currently now right now in this moment in this moment making $17 an hour working at least 40 hours a week, all, all, on, all on them. Um, they've been hired on, hired on full time doing the work. Uh, for some of the students who really didn't take their schoolwork serious, they didn't necessarily have that opportunity. Uh, and for the students who still doing schoolwork or who, who have graduated or were on track to graduate, completed their schoolwork, they're working full time, not having anything to worry about. And for those who, you know, been slacking on their schoolwork, they still got to do schoolwork because they didn't do what they needed to do in enough time. So mm -hmm. not only are they working, they're also doing their schoolwork and, you know, they're making money. And, and, and so these jobs have safety precautions that have already been put in place for these, for these young students to make sure they're safe, correct? Absolutely. Uh, PPE was already something that they were really, they were already under. They're more than six feet apart. These things were already just because of the nature of the business. They were already, they were already implemented before it was a thing. Um, so the kids are safe. Uh, they're doing their job. They're working. They're 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 making money. I mean, I wish I would be sixty cents <laughs> making making seventeen dollars an hour. I mean, man. What? Right. Yeah. I, I would. I, hey. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do with $17 an hour at that age, but let's transition. So you wear multiple hats. Not only do you work in education, but you also serve as a city official uh, here in the fourth ward of Evansville. Talk about some of the things that the city has done, because that's going to lead into our next topic uh, shortly thereafter. This, we talk about some of the things that the city has done to adjust uh, to COVID-19. Uh, in essence, the city is shut down. Uh, government uh, buildings have, have basically locked their doors to, to the public. Uh, transition to more online. A lot of processes that were uh, antiquated uh, right. are gone, have gone away. So, so on one front, though, and I'm happy to report there's only been one COVID death here in Vanderburg County. Um, so we're, we've taken all the necessary measures while at the same time uh, becoming more efficient and brought into the, you know, brought up to the year 2020. Um, so, so we've been able to maneuver some things and uh, we're really just watching how this thing pans out um, as we are being safe and precautious and making or cautious and making sure that our residents are safe. We also got to watch, say, Warwick County, who has right. um, almost who, who has over 100 cases or excuse me, over 100 confirmed cases, which is uh, and deaths, uh, which is more than what we've had uh, here right. in Vanderbilt. So as you know, people across the country and across the state talk about all this open up, you know, reopen Evansville, all this, all this and that. We also got to understand that if Evansville opens up, that means that um, the rural counties in Kentucky, the rural counties in Indiana, they're going to 
migrate to Evansville to do their shopping, to get out of the house. And we're in fact in, infecting in, in a community that's really been kind of, um, you know, has had good results up until this point. Right. So like Mayor uh, Lori Lightfoot says, stay at home, right? That's it. Stay, stay home. Stay at home. And, and, and we can we can curb this thing. Uh, neither one of us are doctors, but, you know, I listen to the, to the, the medical professionals and they talk about how we're going to have a tough time uh, with this as far as, you know, in November when it's supposed to start back up again, because there's no cure. I mean, there, there's no vaccine. There's really not a, a fully developed antibody. Uh, right now. So what do you see uh, the city? Because I know that business owners have been probably contacting you, landlords, residents have been contacting you. Where do you see the city coming uh, you know, coming into the forefront after this pandemic kind of, you know, dies down? Uh, I think this, this changes the way we do things as a whole. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not going to, it's not going to be the flip of a switch uh, for the economy to bounce back. Um, I think people are going to be excited to, uh, you know, go to their favorite restaurants and of sorts. Um, but I have a feeling that people have got used to being at home and cooking <laughs> meals and being around their family. Right. It, it, it's going to become, you know, what, you know, what our, our parents and grandparents said, you know, we was little, uh, you know, can we go to McDonald's? You got McDonald's at the house. It's going to be uh, that sort of thing. And then you just, you know, people are still going to be cautious. I mean, people with high risk, um, you know, those who may have a little bit more money, they're going to be cautious to spend the way they did because this has kind of put them back into that. I got to hold on to all my, you know, all my money because I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so you got to balance that uh, with, you know, just the city recovering as to uh, from, from this whole thing. Uh, I got some information that said, basically said in the entire county uh, for property taxes and that sort of thing. Only 14% of the res residents escrow their, their uh, property taxes. Wow. So that 86% that's out lingering, I mean, are we really going to get our money? Uh, you know, are you going to assess late fees? Uh, you know, all these things come into play that it puts us in an interesting position. Uh, and then so then the question becomes, okay, well, we have $2 billion in surplus, uh, B, billions with a B. Uh, across the state, how is that going to be funded to our uh, cities, you know, uh, and I remain optimistic uh, simply because Evansville is the largest city uh, that a Republican mayor uh, occupies in the state right. of Indiana. At the time, we have a Republican governor, so I'm hoping uh, that they can do some things to really give Indiana um, a, a, a steroid shot uh, to make sure that our economy is strong, it boosts, and really make sure that the money that flows down, whether it be the federal or the state government, really makes it to the people who need it the most. And see that, and you bring up a good point, especially about uh, the Republican mayor and Republican governor here in the state. One of the things, uh, when I first got into higher education, I recruited in Chicago, right? And so mm -hmm. you would see these billboards saying, if you can't find a job in Chicago, come to Indiana. And I think that has a lot to do with the, the friendly nature of it, how easy it is to start a business here as opposed to in larger urban areas. Uh, and I think it also has a lot to do with the fact that Indiana overall is conservative. So I'm hoping that that bodes well for us. But you talk a lot about politics. And so my question to you is that we're going to start at the basement level and then we're going to work our way up. How'd you get, how'd you get involved? You know, we have similar backgrounds, both bachelors in political science, masters in public admin, but how did you get into politics, what, what, what was that, that linchpin to say, okay, I'm ready to get in? 
So, I'm a, so this is how it started. Uh, I was a freshman at Indiana State University uh, okay. in my RA. Huh? I said, okay, I'm listening to you. Yeah, I thought you was talking junk. Hey, uh, no, no, yeah, listen, I went to Western Illinois University, the home of the Fighting Eleven Next. You know, uh, we used to beat y'all down in football. I got good one year though, uh, which is surprising. <laughs> but you said your RA, your RA was uh, was talking to you. Yeah, my RA, um, he was. You know, I I've spent a lot of time with him. I, I trusted him. He was a four, he's four student. You know, I had a lot of guidance, um, and he ended up running for student government president, uh, and he won. Uh, and he said, Alex, hey, you know, help me. I, I want you on my, you know, um, cabinet to work. I'm like, and my mom at the time, my mom and dad both at the time were like, you need to find a job, blah, blah, blah. And here this opportunity is. And my response back to him was, man, I don't even, I don't do the whole political thing. It doesn't make any sense to me. I just like solving problems. And he said, that's exactly why I want you on, uh, on my cabinet. I said, all right, I can do this. Uh, and that was in, I started that in 2008. Um, which was an interesting year to start student government. Uh, <laughs> presidential candidates in within, you know, coming by and it was both Obama and Hillary came. Uh, it was just unique to see both of them and, and all of that. Um, so had that, I really wasn't paying too much attention um, on a national scale or anything, what was going on, just kind of doing my own thing, looking at the assessing state politics, seeing how Indiana state students could benefit from, everything that was going on. So did that. And then, so I, my, my RA ran for another term and was successful. Uh, so here I am, uh, a junior, um, and in a semester and I'm thinking, dang, I need an internship. <laughs> well, this student government thing's been all right. I'm, I think I might like politics at a local level. Let me see. So I interned for the mayor of Evansville at the time, which was Jonathan Weinzapple, who ironically is running for attorney general right now. Okay. Uh, I interned for him and I loved it. Um, it was everything that I knew and everything that I could kind of relate to and put my own spin to it. Uh, and two things happened that summer that really shaped the whole trajectory of my whole political involvement. Um, at the time that I was interning uh, for Jonathan Weinzapple, um, there was a Dust Bowl, which is our annual basketball tournament outdoors. Um, I literally was playing in the, in the tournament. Someone got shot and killed at the park that I was playing in. So I'm seeing this firsthand at the same time I'm hearing the mayor's office try to deal with this situation, which I had insight no one else did. Um, and then that just, that has always been my angle. Uh, and, you know, as I was in the mayor's office, I'm thinking about what's my next steps. And then it became, okay, I got to get my master's in public admin because believe it or not, at Indiana State, I didn't take any political science courses. So though I kind of, you know, just kind of learned on my own, I still wanted that background to really put things into practice and, and really have a nice balance. Um, and I knew that I was ready to get out of Indiana. I knew that if I would have even attempted to go to IU, it wouldn't end it well. And I also wanted to go somewhere that I got in-state tuition. That landed me at Western Kentucky University, which was by far the best decision I could have had um, because it gave me so much hands-on experience and uh, not only in the realm of politics, but also just in the way thinking different, you know, can, though I was in Indiana State, which was fairly, fairly liberal, Western Kentucky was more conservative and, you know, it was all Obama's messing us all up. And I'm in the classroom like, whoa, wait, what do you mean? How can you say this when he's doing so much? Um, so those conversations, it went well. I enjoyed it. I was a, a professor. And then I actually ended up interning uh, on Capitol Hill for two members of Congress 
uh, one being Jim Cooper and the other being uh, Yvette Clark of, of Brooklyn, New York, how I ended up with Yvette Clark was literally, I walked in the, seat, the Congressional Black Caucus office and I asked the first person I saw, I'm on the Hill, I want to work for, I also want to intern for a mem uh, member of the CBC and literally got placed based on that conversation, which was probably the dopest thing ever. Um, right. And shout out to Latrice Powell, who got me there, who uh, is now is like Nancy Pelosi's right-hand woman. So <laughs> it's just dope to see how everything is has played out the way that it has. Um, so yeah, that's how I got involved. And obviously I had lofty dreams of, uh, of being in DC, being on the Hill, uh, but government shutdown in 2013 changed all of that. And I came back home to Evansville uh, and got right to work. So here I am, never in a million years that I think I'd be working for the school system or uh, an elected official, but here I am and still focused on solving problems as best I can. So I got, I got a quick question for you uh, or a quick statement. My vote doesn't matter. All right. What do you think about that? My vote does not matter. That is the worst thing anybody <laughs> uh, could ever say. Um, and I always make the, the analogy that if, you know, if 300 people want a dog park and 400 people want a basketball goal or a basketball court, um, you would think that those are the, the bat who want the basketball court will win. But if only 200 of those who want the basketball court vote and 300 of those who want the dog park vote, we get the dog park. Right. Um, that's, that's at the, you know, that's at an elementary level. Um, and I use that example is because it's those elected at a local level that makes all the difference. Yeah, right. it's cool. We won't, you know, yeah, you know, run for president, vote for governor. That's all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, who's going to make sure your life is better and has tangible things and ways that they can do that. It, it's all local. Um, and the same people who say my vote don't matter are the same ones who only vote every four years, right. a lot of the time. Um, so what we have to do is really get our get out of the mindset of only voting in presidential election because it's the only election that matters and really looking at local issues. Um, you know, there's been some interesting conversations today on social media uh, related to Diddy um, really pressing, wanting to press the Biden campaign for making sure that it's African, African-American woman who is the vice president. Right. Um, why at the same time you have Jim Clyburn, who literally handed Joe Biden the presidency, um, right. saying that, you know, it'd be great if it was a woman, but it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a black woman. Um, so here you have two people who are in prominent positions, almost sending mixed messages within, which then goes down to people in our generation, who they're going to listen to, Jim Clyburn or Diddy. And it then becomes a situation that instead of, of everybody working together, being on the same page and putting that agenda out, we fighting over something that's, that's doesn't really matter. Right. Um, at the end of the day, whoever is chosen and they have a platform, well, whoever is, I don't care if, uh, I don't care who Joe Biden picks, I'm voting for him uh, simply because we've seen this country uh, go through so much uh, turmoil, chaos, and, um, just had to deal with some things that uh, right. is, is I never thought I'd get to see uh, or I never thought I'd even experience. Um, so, right. so, so here we are um, and, and we have to do something about it. Sitting on the sidelines is not an option. So do you think it's uh, the, the lack of voter turnout, especially in communities of color or uh, communities where there, there's a, a stronghold of, uh, you know, 
women where the, the voter turnout might not be as high. Do you think it's because we push those old narratives? Like somebody died for this, you know, somebody, uh, you know, somebody gave up their, you know, their, their, their job for this, somebody, you know, sacrificed so much. And, and, and the second part of that question is, do you think if that narrative is harmful, is it harmful because there's a disconnect to that narrative? The first part of the question, I think it's it's been said too often that that doesn't hold any weight or hold mm. any water anymore. Yeah, we know. Yeah, I'm saying you, you got to get past that. Um, and then to the second part of it is, um, I think people in, in, in our generation know that things aren't right and are so frustrated with the system that instead of participating, we just choose we choose to complain. Right. Um, and I think, I think that has opened the door to, you know, say Bernie or bust mm. or other, just is my candidate or no candidate, which is, is, is harmful and toxic um, because it's, it's, it's this, this, this mindset of it's my way. I want it the way that I want it. Nothing else matters. Right. Well, a lot matters. And though someone may not, believe in in your ideology or the exact way that you think is better than the alternative um and i think that we all have to be mindful of that and at the end of the day if it, we got it goes back to the analogy i use between the dog park and, and the basketball court it doesn't matter what you say on social media it don't matter it don't matter none of that matters it matters what happens when you get in that ballot box right so, yeah to, to all these new voters out here and to the returning uh voters to the polls uh, on, on a scale of a one to a hundred, right? How important is this election? A hundred. Um, and and, and it's, it's that important because, and I think, and the reality is all the high school seniors have a reason to vote. If not ever before, this is every high school senior takes a government course. This is government course one-on-one. It's, it's real life. Your, your senior year was robbed from you. Your graduation was robbed from you. The start of you going to college may have been robbed, you know, robbed from you. Your experience is going to be like no one else. And that has that And this thing could have been avoided. The fact that a few months ago, the person who's leading this country said this virus is a hoax. uh, I mean, what do you do with that? Yeah, nearly 60,000 people are dead. and, and, And it's a hoax. And yeah, I think we can get caught up in political ideology sometimes, but I would say that when you look at this election, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it is, I mean, it's 200%, rather, forget the 100, it's a, it's, a, it's a level 200 because you have uh, leadership that has failed uh, so many people. You know, I always say that leadership can be measured in dollars and cents, right? So not cents as in, you know, a penny, but cents as in how much sense do you have? And so when you look at the lack of dollars and cents placed on this pandemic or, you know, placed uh, in the government to combat pandemics, you're seeing what happens, man. There are almost 60,000 people in this country have passed away. And so I I don't care how many times someone says something crazy at a briefing. I don't care, you know, what they did in their life beforehand, before they became president. Although I do think that that's a great predictor of whether or not they should have been elected president. I'd say this, uh, when people start dying, from your decisions, then you have a problem. And I think what you, you hit on it is that sometimes there, there's division. And, you know, I've heard, I heard someone say out of all of these 
young, uh, you know, aspiring candidates and all of these different people, the, the Democratic Party got Joe Biden. Well, that's because sometimes, you know, like my grandmother used to say, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. And so you, you want it to get more in your plate than what you had. And so this Senator Kamala Harris, fantastic candidate, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, Pete Buttigieg, fantastic candidate, Elizabeth Warren, fantastic candidate. And, and, and these can, and all the other candidates had a great opportunity, but everybody said, you know what? We're going to go with the safe bet. It's like, listen, I'll put a hundred in the slot machine. I'm only willing to lose 10. And we got what we have. And, and, and I think that Joe Biden has, um, has really embraced a lot of policies that some of the further left uh, has, has wanted. And I think that's what, that's all you can really ask for at this point. We're not going to be able to turn a guy who's 77 years old into, you know, a budding, a 30 year old progressive. That's just not going to happen. And I think once we get past that, and I say we, cause you know, I've run this Democrat uh, multiple times, then we can probably see some type of change, but this election is, you know, I didn't think the first year, the first four years, I'm telling you, they were crazy. But, you know, this last this last year just came like a wrecking ball. The first four years were like, okay, you know, a few years, it's like, all right, you know, he's just, it's just happening, you know, but he's crashed the Cadillac now. And so what do we do? And we all know how expensive it is to fix a Cadillac. So all of these stimulus checks that folks are getting, they're going to turn around and things are going to get taxed. You know, they talk about meat shortages in this country. And this is not to put fear in anybody's heart, right? But this is to help them understand that there is much more at stake than the fact that, oh, he doesn't want to forgive student loans. Hey, I got student loan debt. Just paid off a couple. But I don't care if Joe Biden said he wasn't going to forgive one cent on my student loans. You know, it is my job to look at what's in front of me and say, hey, we can't do another four years of this. But, you know, that's my two cents on it. And, you know, I know I'm supposed to be interviewing you and getting your your perspective but that's my two cents you can tell me if i'm wrong or not but it, it we're in a different we're in, we're in a different era, uh, era now this is this is beyond what they ever taught us yeah this is i mean it, it is a reset like right i really think it should be joe biden's campaign slogan reset i mean we're, we're <laughs> in a reset from 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 you look at whether you're on the college campus whether you are you know lead graduate get ready to graduate college graduate high school your life is all going to be changed and we have to put some level of stability back so that 10 years from now the kids coming up can be okay right in the next 10 years where we are right now things are not okay and it's going to take a while it's going to be a slow climb for us to get to back where we were um and you know maybe this means that with all this downtime maybe it's teaching financial literacy in a different way maybe it's making sure that's part of the curriculum in the schools right Maybe it's, you know, it, it, it's so much stuff that, you know, do you start working on your credit, you know, building your credit, something that now is right. part of your econ class, uh, in your econ class, because um, chances are, once we get past this, interest rates are going to go through the roof on everything. Absolutely. Uh, because, it, and it's, it's just going to be the way, it's just going to be the game that's played. Um, yeah, everything is low right now, so if you're young and can afford it, Look into buying a house in the next year, year and a half, because this is this is the time to do it. Right. Um, but at the same time, if you're not at that point, make sure you're saving as much as you can, because the rules of the game are going to change at a, at a at a fast rate. So we got to be ready to adjust. Um, and you know, another thing that I really learned from this whole COVID thing is that 
why have we gone so long without really identifying the gaps in food access um, that we really have? With schools being shut down, families are forced to be in the, in the house. With families being in the house, we're consuming more food, more consumed. With more food being consumed, that means higher grocery bills. At some point, there's going to be a breaking point. With people being in the house, that means our water bills are going to be higher. Exactly. Energy bills are going to be higher. And if, you know, who knows, rent could be next on, on that list to um, raise just because landlords are going to try and, you know, muscle as much money as they can. So it, it's, it, things are about to get real. And I think we're, as, as, as people are in a hurry to get things back open, there are a lot of steps in between uh, pre-COVID-19 and uh, getting things back to normal. So, Hey, you said a word there, brother. Getting, trying to get things back to normal. Hey, listen, everybody, this has been The Current Affair. Alex, I want you to uh, let the, the folks who are listening and the people who view this uh, know how to get in contact with you. How do they get in contact with you, Alex? Uh, yeah, sure. So I am Alex Fourth Ward Burton on Facebook. Uh, Instagram is Councilman underscore AB, and Twitter is the same, Councilman underscore AB. All right, so y'all get in contact with Alex. Very thoughtful brother, my brother. Uh, all the way from Evansville, Indiana. Uh, we're both quarantined right now, and uh, we're trying to make this thing happen. This is a, this first episode for the current affair, Alex. We will have you back sometime in the future. I am sure of it. Uh, but that's the podcast, y'all, uh, for today. Next episode will air uh, next Saturday. So every Saturday, the episodes will air. It will be uh, available on SoundCloud and uh, Apple Podcasts. So please look out for that again. Alex Burden, uh, this is Dr. Taylor signing off. Thank y'all again, and I hope to hear from you and to see you all very, very, very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. You have just listened to the Current Affair Podcast with Dr. D'Angelo Taylor. Episodes will be posted every Saturday at soundcloud.com slash the current affair. Also on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, stay current.